One of the greatest acts of love that you and I could give to someone else is forgiveness that they don't deserve. It's choosing to forgive them when they did something hurtful to you, when they did something even in spite or they did it angrily, whatever the case was, when you choose to forgive, you're choosing to do what the master did. The master forgave. Remember the servant with the massive debt he couldn't pay? There was no way possible that he could pay it. And the master had compassion on him. And he said, I forgive you the debt. How many of you have had a debt ever forgiven or released? Oh, I have. Oh, man. It's like, whoo, man, lifts off your shoulders. It's a ton of bricks that are off of you. And now you're free because you've been released from the debt. The debt's no longer owed. And I want to encourage you this morning to live a life of giving forgiveness to people. There was a time I went to someone, I was listening to a message, my pastor was preaching on forgiveness. He said, even if there's someone right now in the auditorium that you feel like you need to go and you need to forgive, go to them. And I remember I went to them and out of the sincerity of my heart, I asked them to forgive me. And they looked at me and shook their head no. And I remember the feeling walking away going, oh, because it just, you know, hit me. It was like a slap in the face, you know, but we're not supposed to be moved by what we see or feel. But unfortunately, many of us are moved by what we see, by what we feel in the moment. And I walked away and I said, Holy Spirit, I went and I did what you asked me to do. I really felt the conviction in my heart to go and do that. And he said, Phil, you're free. He said, but you need to pray for him. So I wanted to make it about me. God wanted to make it about him. God was more concerned of the fact that he wasn't forgiving me than he was me. But he said, you're released. Man, it's so good to live free, isn't it? Oh, how many of you are free in here? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, why don't you give your neighbor an encouraging word and forgive them if you need to. And, and you could be seated this morning. <laughs> no, I was kidding. Don't, don't make that. Don't go public with that. That was, that was a joke. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, how many of you are ready to get right into the Word of God this morning? Amen. I got, I got three folks that are ready to get right into the Word this morning. Amen. <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you what God put on my heart because this path, hey, Armando, come on, man. Good to see you, bro. Hey, it's also great to see the Mochelle, Scott, and Monica and the newly married couple. Come on, guys. Abby and her husband. You'll have to forgive me, man. I'm so sorry. Ken liked the Barbie doll. Yeah, you guys got it now. I'll never forget it again because one, it was in front of everybody, and two, you said that. But um, <laughs> no, congratulations. We hope you love it down there in Fort Smith and what God's doing in your life. And if not, he'll take you on to greater things. Man, it's such a great adventure when you live for God. It's awesome. It's amazing. So if you have your Bible this morning, how many, of you, how many of you brought a Bible, some kind of Bible, whatever it looks like? Would you turn over to 1 John? 1 John chapter 4. 
There is something that's been stirring in my heart all week. I didn't get to preach last week, and Zach, God, the Holy Spirit just did an amazing job through Zach. I'm telling you, the anointing is so thick on you, man. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful to be surrounded by people that are in love with Jesus and have that anointing on them. It, you know, it sharpens my iron. Um, but this, so uh, midweek, we have a midweek, and it's at our home uh, over in Tawny Town. And you guys are welcome to come. Anybody that would like to come to midweek, you are certainly welcome. We do it every Wednesday night at 6.30, and it's at our home. And if you need that address, they'll have it at the How Can We Help You table uh, out in the lobby. But we started going through, we went through Romans 5, and we went all the way to chapter 8. We learned who we are in Christ, and then we shifted gears. How many of you remember the manual transmissions? They don't have them as much anymore. We shifted gears, and then we started going through becoming love. And we started the first week, and I thought, you know, we're going to start, what better place to start but in 1 Corinthians 13. You remember a few weeks ago, I preached on 1 Corinthians 13 by the unction of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't even my message, and God just took us there, and it was great. But I, we started in 1 Corinthians 13, we started going through patience, which is the first thing that, you know, that scripture says that love is. And as we're going through patience, the Holy Spirit convicts my heart and says, 1 Corinthians 13 is the fruit of love. Yeah. Well, what you need is how to become love. Because if we become love, we'll experience the fruit of patience, kindness, of no, keeping no record of wrong. And everything that 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is, is the fruit of what, how we're supposed to be if we are living the life of love. And so we shifted gears and I, we, we started looking at some scriptures and then I shared a testimony and it was so powerful on Wednesday that I felt compelled this morning to share some of that with you guys. Because those of you that weren't able to be there, I want to share some of that with you. But if you're there in, in 1 John chapter 4, let's read this scripture first, and then we'll come back to some other things. 1 John 4 verse 7 says this, those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. And let me read verse 11 to you uh, to kind of cap this off. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. Loving one another should be our way of life. Well, Phil, why is love so important? Because love, God is love, and love never fails. Think about something that would never fail in your life that you could latch onto and take hold of and become, and then it would never fail in your life. That's love, amen? So, you know, you can have giftings. The Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about all these giftings, talents, abilities, whatever it is that you're good at. If you have all of those things, if you have the entire world at your fingertips, but you don't have love, the Bible calls it nothing. So if I just have money without love, it's nothing if I don't love. 
Oh, yeah, we're getting ready to go somewhere. So everything hangs on love. Wow. So what does it mean, though, to become love? We talked a few weeks ago about what does it mean to shine? What does this look like to become love? So I want to go through a couple of things because becoming love means that I understand God's value for me so then I'm able to value other people. How many of you would agree I need to understand my value first before I can, I can value other people? So that means that I, I have to understand how much God loves me so then the same way that he loves me, now I can love other people. Yeah. Yeah, even, even the people that don't deserve, especially the people that don't deserve the love, amen? So when I understand that, God helps me be able to love the way that I need to love. So how do I know if I'm loving others the way God intended for me to love him? That's the fruit that we were talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. That's the evidence in you, the fruit in you that you've been perfected and loved it. And if there's areas that you see in there that are not perfected yet, then guess what? That may mean that I'm a little self-centered. Because when I'm self-centered, I'm not loving other people. Why? It's all about me. This thing's about me, and it's like, whoa, whoa, no, wait. Wait, wait, wait. It's not about me. I'm supposed to have a paradigm shift so that I can see what's going on in other people. I've gone in recently. I was in a store, and... um, was talking with the person and they were obviously having a bad day and things were not going well and they weren't very nice and you know it just was what it was and the cool thing about love and when you're walking in love is that God helps you begin to be compassionate toward the person who is being mean to you instead of taking personally what they're doing in your direction and going you know because what, what is that? That means I'm, I'm, I'm needs driven. I need you to love me a specific way. And if you don't, I'm, I'm going to be hurt by it. But instead, I was able to see beyond that Holy Spirit is the one that helps us do that because the Holy Spirit's living inside of us. And when he helps us, we can see into that person and realize something's going on back here. And they could use my prayer right now. They could use a little bit of love, a little bit of understanding. Yeah, this is a, this is going to be good. So what is your value? I want to, I want to mention some things, man, because this is so good. So Jesus died on the cross for our sins. How many of you would agree with that? Jesus died on the cross. This is not a trick question. He absolutely died for your sins on the cross. But let me give you a bigger picture of what he did okay because yes he did come to die for your sins but there was a bigger thing that God was after now think about this in the garden of Eden you have Adam and Eve you have two people who sinned who gave up their authority the authority that God had given them on the earth and then what happened Satan became the God of this world when they sinned right And so in essence, what happened up to that point was God had come down and he had fellowshiped with Adam every day, came down and he walked in the cool of the garden, cool of the garden, that sounds really good right now in this hundred degree weather. 
He's walking in the cool of the garden, and as he's walking in the cool of the garden, they're having sweet fellowship together. Adam and Eve sinned. Now, God's not able to do that anymore. Why? Because God can't be where sin is, otherwise it would have killed them. So what's happened? In essence, it was like DHS came in and took the kids away. Can I say that? I'm sorry, DHS. Anybody here from DHS? <laughs> sorry. Okay. Well, let me give you, let me give you a, different, a better example of that. All right. So when we were in Austin, Texas, we worked on staff at a church, and there was a beautiful family in this church. It was a husband and wife. They had two kids, and then they had a sweet little baby. And this little baby began to cry nonstop, crying constantly, constantly, constantly. And the, and the parents couldn't figure out what was going on. And they finally came to their wits end. They took the baby to the doctor. The doctor discovered that somehow both of his legs had gotten broke. They were broken. They have no idea how it happened. They don't know if, it, if one of their other kids fell on him. If he, I mean, now the doctor was able to repair it. But what the doctor did was he reported them to DHS. So then what did DHS come in? They came in and took all three kids, not just the baby. They took all three. And anyway, I remember my heart sank when it, when it happened. And I just, my wife and I, we began to pray. The whole staff, we began to pray for them. She actually worked on staff at the church um, and was an admin assistant. And so we began to pray for her family. We began to put our arms around them. We went, we, we even showed up for character reference in, in the court, you know, and we were doing everything we knew to do. And fortunately, it was six months later, I think, if I remember right. Six months later, they got their kids back finally. But imagine what that was like for God. Similar situation. Adam and Eve has sinned. Now he's separated from his kids. But God had a plan. What did God say? He spoke to the serpent, that Satan is the serpent here in Genesis 3.15. And he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, she, or he shall bruise your head, but you will bruise his heel. Jesus, God is telling them what the plan is, that Jesus is going to come, that he is going to pay the price so that I can get my kids back. So it's much bigger than just forgiveness of sins. Thank God for forgiveness of sins because we need forgiveness of sins so that we can come before the Father clean, free, and give our Father a big hug. Could you imagine what it must have been like for God when Jesus died on that cross and that curtain in the temple that had separated God from man was ripped right in two from top to bottom and it fell to the ground and suddenly you could see right in to the holy of holies. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That curtain was called the life, ripped in two. Why? So you and I could run right into the arms of our Father. <laughs> oh, man, come boldly into the throne room. Why? Because you're forgiven. That forgiven had to happen so that you could be reinstated. Okay. Bigger picture, much bigger picture. So the gospel is the revealing of man's value. The gospel is the revealing of man's value. Jesus did not die on the cross to expose your sin. He didn't die on the cross to expose your sin. He died on the cross to remove your sin. Why? So that he could expose the very nature, identity, and purpose that he has for your life. Oh, 
Thank you, Jesus, for that, man. That's so awesome. So your price, the price that's on your price tag is the blood of Jesus. You're sitting in a shop, people are looking at stuff, you got a tag on you, and it says price, blood of Jesus. You got that? I don't think so. Go on. Huh? No, somebody paid a much better price for me, man. And so if Jesus paid that price, then that means that you're worth that. You're worth that. So he didn't die because you sinned. He died because you're a son, you're a daughter of God, and he wanted you back. Wow. So if he loved us this way, what should we do then for other people? How should we love them? Should we just love them? Okay, I'm going to let that sit right there. I think I should have just paused for effect there. But see, when people sin against us and we take it personally, what it does is it proves that we don't understand who we truly are and what our value is. So, so when someone does sin against you and you re- understand the love of the Father, this is why they said, this is why the Bible says that you and I need to understand what the width is and what the depth is in the height of the love of God. God wants us to understand that so that when people sin against us, it, it, we don't take it personally. Instead, we take him personally and we can respond in love to people. This takes transformation. It does. So, you know, there, because so much of what I see and what you see is a needs-based love. This is the world kind of love, the flesh kind of love. It's needs-based, you know? It means that you have to love me a specific way so then I'll be happy. Well, she just didn't satisfy me anymore, said the divorced couple or the people, you know, that are separated. They come in for counseling and she doesn't love me anymore the way I need to be loved. Well, that means you're selfish. It means you're self-centered. It means that she has to love you a specific way or otherwise you're not going to be happy. And I think eventually you'll get tired of her loving you that way. And then you'll come up with another way that she needs to love you. Is that love? That's not love. What is love? Love keeps no record of wrong. This, I, man, <clears throat> so, you know, we have these different love languages but I don't need you to love me. I've been loved. If I've been loved, why do I need you to love me a specific way to be happy? Is that, okay. All right. Let's uh, jump down to verse 12 there in 1 John. We're reading, a, we're reading the Bible in church. How about that? Come on. 1 John 4, verse 12. It says, but if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us. Man, pay attention to this verse. This is amazing. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us, and we make our permanent home in him, and his love is brought to its full expression in us. Wow. Wow. So how is his love fully expressed in us? It's when we love other people. I heard that, I heard that many, uh, 
waiters and waitresses don't like to work Sundays because they know all the church people are coming. They don't tip well, they're demanding, they're mean. And I've seen people on, 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 on their way to go minister somewhere and they yell at the attendant at the desk. It's like, bless God, I, I gotta go minister to some people. Well, what's this? This is a person? Man, this is something. It's something. Okay, let me keep going. Verse 19. Look at verse 19. I love how the Holy Spirit just kind of goes, whoa, don't say that. It's good. All right, 19. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated us. When we love other people, it's payback. <laughs> we're, we're, it's gratitude. It's thanksgiving. To God. Anyone can say, I love God, yet have hatred toward another believer. This makes him a phony. Because if you don't love your brother or your sister whom you can't see, how can you truly love God whom you don't see? You guys remember the, the, the story, the parable of the sheep and the goats? God separates the sheep and the goats. And the whole concept of the parable is and as much as you've done it unto the least of these my brethren you've done it unto me so in essence the way i treat you is the way i'm treating god the way i'm loving you is the way i'm loving him what does mark 12 30 say it's it's the greatest commandment love the lord your god with all of your heart soul mind strength and what does the rest of that say Love your neighbor. What did Peter say? Who's my neighbor? Why would he ask that? He's wanting to justify. He's wanting to dial it in. Maybe there's some people I don't have to love here. Oh. So I want to read this testimony to you because it blew me away um, when I read this. So this is, uh, this is from a message Ironically called Becoming Love <laughs> by Dan Moeller. Uh, but this was a testimony that he shared. And I just felt compelled to share it with you this morning. You guys ready? All right. So this is back when he was pastoring a church. He said, I was in my office and a wife had just left her husband. He said, it hurts. I wish it didn't have to happen, and, but there has to be an answer. He said she had been on the internet playing around and was sure that she fell in love. Well, she's already married. What's she even doing on the internet? Because there's unfulfilled expectation, there's unresolved things. And the longer that they're married, the further they grow apart. They have a marriage, two young children, but they don't have intimacy anymore, as in into me you see, not the sexual kind of intimacy, but relationship. He said, suddenly they have unresolved conflicts. They go to bed angry. They don't make wrongs right. And that suffer, that, that stuff builds. And the next thing you know, you look at somebody and your heart doesn't see what you used to see. So you get on the internet and now you have needs. Now you're needs driven and you're unfulfilled, putting your value in flesh instead of in him. Now she falls in love. It's impossible for her to be in love with the person that she met on the internet. It's not love, it's deception. It's emotional fantasy. 
It's concocted by hurt and let down. It's a human reaction to her pain. And she's using it as a healing surgery band-aid. But it's a lie. I, I transcribed it, by the way, so I wouldn't mess it up. That's why I'm reading it. Um, this lady got on the internet, fell in love. I told her why she couldn't be in love. She had, a fun, she had a plane ticket, divorce papers, and was going to sleep with a man that she met, had never met before on the internet. I said, you're married. Christ lives in you. What are you doing? She said, I'm tired of being good. It's never really paid off. I'm ready to have fun. I said, fun? You're going to go put yourself in the arms of a man you don't even know, satisfy his own dysfunction for a moment, lick his wound for a moment and call it love. And then need is going to meet need and, and caress each other and nobody is going to get healed. And that's fun. That's self-centered deception. She said, well, I'm going to do it. He said, so I began to cry and I walked away bawling. She did it. Her husband went to his bedroom and screamed at God for five days. Now his whole world has shifted. He's in his bedroom, screaming, ranting, raving for five days. After that, he comes into my office, bawling profusely. He said, when you're a pastor and you pastor a guy like this, you have to give him a reason to stand. He said, he came in and he said, don't worry, pastor. It's not what you think. I'm really okay. Dan said, really? He said, I heard the Lord. He said, for five days, I yelled at the ceiling, the walls, the floor, the door, saying, God, where are you? How could you let this happen? He said, God, let me go on for five days. Then his tangible presence came in my bedroom. He stilled me. God said, why have you been praying this way all these days? You don't have a problem. I said, what do you mean I don't have a problem? Now, how many of you would be similar to that? You don't have a problem. What do you mean? What do you mean I don't have a problem? Is this a joke to you? My kids don't have a mother. I have divorce papers in my hand. My wife is in the arms of another man. And you come in my room and say, I don't have a problem? God said, exactly. You don't have a problem. Your wife, on the other hand, is in trouble. And the only one that you can cry for for the last five days is you. And I thought you died and took up your cross. That takes on a whole new meaning of dying, doesn't it? I mean, what does it mean to take up your cross, deny yourself, and die? but that you take the attention off of you and, you, and God enables you to be, begin to see the hurt in other people. See, he was not the one cheating on his wife. He was not the one that divorced her and was gonna go out and fornicate with this other guy. Was he? No, she was. So who's in trouble here? He's hurt and he is definitely dealing with Life coming at him like a Mack truck in this situation, without a doubt, but he put the attention on himself. You know, whenever you hit a thumb, hit a thumb with a hammer, what happens? 
Everything in your body shifts to the thumb, right? I mean, you are, ah, you know, ah. Why? It's throbbing. Your thumb is, the other, the other day, um, Nicole, she, uh, she was in the, sometimes our dog, we have this little dog, and his name is Oliver. And Oliver gets what we call the zoomies. You know, guys know what that means? I mean, that's where he takes off at 110 miles an hour and he's just shooting all through the house and everywhere. And you're like, all right, he'll be over it in a little while. You know, some, he'll calm down here in a few minutes. Well, he, was, he got the zoomies, man. And he took off and he's doing 110 and comes through the dining room and he, ta- he totally decks Nicole. I mean, just lays her out. And Nicole fell on her, on her, on her knee and her leg and suddenly she, what we figured out, because uh, uh, my son-in-law was there at the time and he's, he's a, a PT, a physical therapist. And he said, I think it's just sprained. But it was excruciating. And so, I mean, all she could feel was her ankle, you know? And so we even went to dinner and she, she could actually walk on it for a while. But we met, we had a lunch appointment, went to the lunch appointment. By the time the lunch appointment was over, I had to help her to the car because she couldn't walk on her ankle. It, all, okay, why am I telling you this again? Because when you're hurt, all the attention goes to what hurts. But what becoming love does is it enables us to see who's really in trouble and who doesn't have a problem. See, this guy didn't have a problem. I shared another quick story on Wednesday night about when Nicole and I were working on staff at Victory in Tulsa. And we were there. I remember Pastor Billy Joe came up to me one time and he said, hey, Phil, put his arm around me. He said, I, I'd like for you to mentor this couple over here. And he pointed and he said, I'd like you and Nicole to mentor this couple. He pointed over here to, you know, some young people. And I, I knew the guy, I remembered him uh, because he attended Victory School there, and so I remembered him from there, but I, was, I wasn't, I mean, I was much older. But anyway, we invited him over to dinner, and we said, tell us your story. And she said, are you sure about that? <laughs> you want to hear a story? I said, yeah, until you said that. But yeah, I still, I'm still kind of interested, you know? And she said, well, she said, we got married very quickly. I, th- I mean, I think it was just a matter of weeks. They got married very quickly and discovered that they didn't know each other <laughs> and that they were having trouble getting along. Well, she decided, I don't want to be in this. It's too late to annul the wedding. And she said, I know the only way that he's going to, to end this wedding is if I go out and sleep with another guy. So it wasn't lust driven. It wasn't, you know, I have a problem with porn. It was 100%, I just want to get rid of this guy. So I'm going to go sleep with another guy. She said, I didn't even like him. And she slept with this guy multiple times, made sure her husband knew. Well, when it happened, he went and he called the pastor and he asked if he could meet with him. He went into the office and he's sitting across from the table and he said, this is what's happened. What am I going to do? And the pastor said, well, he said, you know, according to the Bible, you've got two options. 
He said, one, you have every right to divorce her. I mean, the Bible says that this is the one reason that you can divorce another person, right? It's because they've been unfaithful. He said, or you could love her. Well, he was stunned. I mean, when he was here in the divorce part, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, get, get rid of a bad decision, right? But when he heard love, he went, what? He hadn't even considered it. And do you know what he did? He loved her. And God restored, reconciled that marriage, brought them back together. And we, Nicole and I just sat there like, <laughs> you know, we were just amazed at how he decided that he was going to become love to her instead of take advantage of the opportunity. Now, I'm not, every situation is different, okay? I'm not preaching this as a formula or this is the way it's always got to be. But what I'm showing you is a level of love that all of us need to step into. Why? Because when we step into becoming love, there's a whole new unity in the body of Christ that wasn't there before. Why? Because there's people that are seeing beyond uh, potential offenses, beyond potential hurt, beyond things that people say, and they're seeing the heart behind the person. My family knows me pretty well. I mean, when you travel together for years and you live in a 300-square-foot RV, you get to know people. And you get to know more than what you want to know, I'm sure, in a lot of ways. And so, Becca, come help me out. And, uh, and, <laughs> and there were times, I, I know none of you do this, but, you know, occasionally I might say something that's really not from my heart. It, or it may come across wrong, may come out the wrong way, you know, and, and it's been, a, it's been a, a joy to my heart to see my family say, you know, cover up for me because they know my heart. Can I say it that way? Or come bring healing to the situation because they know, they really know me. And you have people like that in your life don't you? You have family members. I'm not, I'm not saying you ever say anything wrong, but I am saying that you have people in your life that they love you so much, they know your heart. They can see beyond the cover of the book. They've read the whole thing. They know you. Okay. Well, what becoming love does is it enables you and I to be the people that have read the book. We know it cover to cover. See, knowledge puffs up. That's not what God wanted us to get out of this book. What he wanted us to do was to read the book and become what we read. So that means you're reading it with a whole different mindset. It's a makeover. You're getting an extreme makeover God edition here. You know, when you begin to read the word of God because he begins to make over your heart and we begin to become love. So instead of getting turned off by the person at the drive-thru that was rude to us, we began to see beyond and say, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? 
where we begin to ask questions, we begin to find a way that we can love them. Because if we walk around hurt, guess what hurting people do? They hurt people. That's not this group. That's not this church. That's not who a true Christian is. Because my Bible said, let's go back and read it in chapter four. Well, that's a good verse. Okay, sorry, I got, I tripped over a verse I gotta read. First John three, verse 14 says, a loveless life remains spiritually dead. Loveless life. I'm sorry, let me jump over to four, okay. Chapter four. We read it in verse. Let me go back. I'm sorry. It's not my normal Bible, so that's why I'm. Okay, everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of Him. The one who doesn't love, it says, has yet to know God, doesn't know God. The fruit and the evidence that we're disciples of Jesus is the way we love people. Oh, there's some conviction going on. Man, I got convicted big time when I begin to discover how I need to love people. Because love's not based on feelings. I don't feel like loving them. So, love them anyway. We have to love by faith. By faith. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. Verse 10 says, this love, he loved us long before we loved him. And in 1 Corinthians, it says, love never fails. Oh, man, there's so many places I want to go, but I need to wrap it up and land the play right here. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes all around the room? Father, we just love you. We love you. We're grateful for you. But God, we want to know you more. And I just read in 1 John that knowing you is loving those around me. thank you. I thank you for every person here. That your love is being shed abroad in their heart. If you've been listening to this message just with, just right where you're at, just pause for a moment. If, if you've been listening 
to this and your heart is convicted in the sense that you know that there's some areas that God wants to work on in your heart in love that you've been rude to people you've been mean maybe maybe you've been unkind or impatient whatever it is whatever that love is that you haven't been here's the good news is that we can flip it around today and you can decide today that I'm not walking by feelings anymore I'm not going to go around hurt but I'm going to begin to hurt for other people I'm going to begin to to put them first instead of putting me first so if that's you and you say Phil that's me I I need to repent. I need to ask the Father to forgive me. If that's you, nobody looking around all around the room, if that's you, would you just put your hand up? I want to pray for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, there's a bunch of us. There's a bunch of us. Let's, let's do this. Let's stand up together. Would you just stretch your hands once you get stood up? Would you stretch your hands toward heaven? Every person all around the room. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me and let's, let's pray this out loud together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the way you loved me. I thank you that I don't need to be loved because I've been loved. And because I've been loved, I become love. <laughs> and I can love others no matter how they treat me. No matter what they do, I won't be moved. Like Acts 20, 24 says, none of these things move me. I'm moved by the love of the Father. The love that you so freely gave me, now I give to others freely. No expectation, no requirements, no strengths. Thank you, Father, for healing my heart. Now just begin to thank him in your own way. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you created in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us, oh God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 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 Yeah, you're going to have opportunities to be hurt, but you don't have to live hurt. You can become love. And so what that entails is living a life of complete surrender and of continual forgiveness. God, I thank you. I can't be hurt. I am unoffendable because I've become love. This is who God wants us to become is love man imagine the unity in this church see unity is not agreement you can have unity without everybody maybe necessarily being in agreement like I you know I'm, there's diversity unity though when you become love you accept people the way they are I'll never forget, I've shared this before, but when my wife said to me, I find no fault in you. When she said that to me, and that 
just leveled me, messed me up. I was just a soggy mess after that. I still am, I get choked up when I think about it. Why, because she knows me better than anyone. And yet she said, I, I, have, I find no fault in you. What is she saying? You owe me nothing. You don't have to prove anything to, you, to me. So what's our inclination? We want people to pay for something. They hurt us, so now I'm gonna make you pay for the hurt that you caused. That's not love. What should we do? Take the low road. It's all right, God, I forgive them. They don't owe me anything. Phil, is this easy? No, that's why you need the Holy Spirit. You can't do it by yourself. And don't use that as a justification either that you're not gonna do that. Well, you know, I'm a work in progress. Oh man, people say that and it's been all this time. Okay, God's not missing the chisel. Uh-uh, no, that's not an excuse. God's not missing, you know, the cuts. He, he transforms our life. We need the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you, so he's your helper. So if you surrender yourself to him and you say, Father, now every day when I'm walking in love, I'm inviting you to check my heart. Check my heart. As I'm talking to people, thank you, Lord, for, for helping me have, I don't need tough skin, I got the Holy Spirit. He's a badger skin that's over me. And it bounces off of him. Because he's in me. You can do this with him. You cannot do it without him. How many of you, this was for you today? This was for me. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, let's just thank God for a moment. Father, thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you, Lord, for helping us put it. Oh, man, thank you for helping us walk in love. For Lord, that you are helping us become love every day of our life, God. That we're able to release, we're able to forgive, we live unoffendable, we live, uh, we're not hurt, we're not busted up by people. We are people that live forgive, forgiven and free because you are teaching us to live and to become love. Thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, will you get one more time, give Jesus a hand and you can be seated.